0: Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today's guest is comedian extraordinaire, Colton Harpy. Today we're going to talk about why it's so important to set boundaries in your relationships. How to train your mind so that you can quiet the mind and reduce anxiety why there's no such thing as good or bad experiences. Everything is just neutral. We also get into what he learned from cognitive behavioral therapy that helped him to reduce his anxiety and how to set boundaries in our relationships. We talk about so much more. We even get into how weed affects his anxiety and why he stopped drinking caffeine. Remember, If there's any information in this episode that you find valuable, effective, applicable, share it with one to two of your friends. Share it with an enemy. Thank you also for rating it five stars and leaving reviews. I also appreciate the messages that I receive from each and every single one of you. You can message me directly at leoflowers2000 at Gmail. And if you want one-on-one coaching, you can go to thrivewithleo.com to work with yours truly. With that said, let's hop into the episode. Now, are, are you like me and uh there's a part of me that's slightly addicted to chaos cuz you talked about the you know the chaos of just people popping in and you know the the randomness of, of it all. Are, do you find that is that a part of you?
1: Uh yeah. Um I'm a huge fan of uh Eric Andre and Tom Green and um Sasha Baron Cohen when he had the Ali G show and dude, that's my humor. Like I, I just love that. I, back in the day when, uh, before even Jackass, I used to watch CKY. Um, and it was just pure chaos. It's like, for me, if I could do a, a show like Tim and Eric, Eric Andre's show where it's just random chaos, for some reason I get like giddy inside. It's just so fun to me. And especially when no one else knows what's going on, you know, like it's a lot of fun.
0: Did, did you grow up in a chaotic household? Were you moving around a lot, a lot of siblings? <sighs>
1: um, it randomly became chaos. Uh, my parents split when I was like nine or 10. Um, I don't know if that directly has anything to do with it, but I do know um It was around that time that, yeah, I guess like in my in my teenage years, I kind of got into like my uh, style of what I found was funny, my humor and and a big part of it growing up was like CKY and Jackass and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I I thoroughly enjoy those shows. It's so funny. I was scrolling through Netflix and I saw Jackass 3.5 and I was like, oh, yeah, I need to see the new one. I mean, the trailer was was already too much. I was like, "I, I think you showed all the best bits. Uh, in a trailer for the new jackass did uh you know with your parents splitting up did you find that like humor was a way of dealing with that or were you already kind of the the fun goofy cracking jokes and and random kind of kid
1: yeah dude i was always i was always like that kid just wanting to have fun i actually it's so funny because i wanted to be like my older brothers my older brothers and they were always like the ones that made the family laugh, the friends laugh. So I wanted to be cool like them. I wanted to be uh, part of that group in like the neighborhood growing up and stuff. And the way to do that was to like, be funny. Um, but as far as dealing with it again, I don't, I mean, maybe in the time I, I, I um, did that, but I wasn't even aware of that. It's not till when you're older, you're like, Oh, I was doing that because I was messed up, you know? And, we can go on about that forever. I got a whole list of issues wrong with me. So
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause I see that you're, you're, you're pretty yoked and, you know, I was scrolling through your Instagram feed and, and clearly you make working out and taking care of yourself and eating right. Um, a priority. What was that fed by your older siblings? Were they into it also, or were they nerds? And you found that this was a path for you to stand out.
1: So growing up, my sister, so I have three siblings, I have my they're all older than me, my sister, and then my two brothers. And um, my sister was actually the one into working out ever since she was young, she was into working out. And um, when I was like 14 ish, yeah, she uh, really motivated me to go to the gym. But also at that time, I was big into pro wrestling. And I wanted to be a WWF at the time now WWE uh, wrestler or I think they're called like superstars now. I don't even know what they're at this point, <laughs> um, but man, it, like that motivated me. I literally, I wanted to be like, I went from wanting to play basketball and be Michael Jordan to wanting to be like the rock and, and stone cold. And like, that was my goal. And so I, I got into working out and um Yeah, man, it's just it's been something part of my life. And, you know, we can go into more detail about it as as we go on. But definitely, it's something that uh, not only do I do for the physical uh, benefits, but the mental aspect of it is just so huge, just just huge part of my life.
0: When your parents divorced, which parent did you go with? And was that a smooth transition? Or was there kind of a, a custody battle back and forth?
1: Um, I went with my mom, but yeah, there was like kind of the, it got like pretty nasty with custody and stuff like that. And it was weird at that time too, because um, I was seeing a side of my family, you know, I feel like growing up, everyone's got their issues, but everyone tries to like hide stuff from their kids, you know, growing up. And it was literally like a switch um, that just kind of flipped, man. And it was weird because I was seeing a side of both my mom and my dad um, that I had never seen before, especially uh, when they started like talking about each other. I felt like I grew up like five years, you know, like I said, it happened when I was like nine or 10. I felt like I jumped to like 15. And it was weird, because I felt like, um, you know, like I said, your, your parents are talking to you one day, and they're like, oh, you know, school and this and that. And then they're talking to you about, um. Uh, like real stuff, not that school's not real stuff, but, you know, like real stuff as far as like, Oh, you know, me and your dad aren't doing well and stuff like that. And you're like, well, where's this coming from? You know? So it's a very, very weird wake up call. Um, but on, on like the positive side of it, dude, that, that stuff made me, you know, like all this stuff, all these weird things that happened in my life that made me who I am and, and made me more understanding of other people because, If I grew up in this world of, you know, parents are still together and living in a nice neighborhood, who knows if I'd be doing comedy? You know, honestly, I don't know if I would have chosen that as like the career path that I want to take and and to follow like my dream. I might have fallen into and I'm not saying it's bad, but the nine to five, you know, that every most people, especially living in Connecticut, that's what they do. So Mm
0: -hmm. I, I see you have. um a, a, a Mortal Kombat video game. Oh, uh, dude. Talk to me yeah. about this. Is <laughs> Because that, that takes me back to my <laughs> childhood and college years. I got a... So I want... My goal
1: is to uh, own all four, like, full-on arcades. So this one, if you could see, is this is the Arcade 1-Up uh, version. So the Arcade 1-Up is a company, and they um, make replicas of full-blown arcades. So it's... I'd say it's about like um, with the riser. It's about like, well, the mic came out of nowhere, Um, about like five feet tall. Um, But ever since I was little, Mortal Kombat has been one of those games that I've played literally through Sega Genesis um, all the way up into the new systems. And um, yeah, man, I, I always wanted to own like the arcade version ever since I was little. I thought that it would be so cool to have in like my bedroom. And as I get older, I'm like, dude, I want. The, the like the huge ones, but those things weigh like thousands of pounds and they're so clunky and big. So for now, this is good. Um, but yeah, my goal, man, is to have literally MK one, two, three and four in a row. And like that would be uh, I would love that.
0: Is that one of your ways? Because I, I know that, you know, when I was reading through the bio that, you know, anxiety is something that you struggled with it was video games and, you know, doing sketches, were those ways for you to manage the anxiety? And and, and in what ways did that show up for you as a kid, anxiety? So um, I
1: definitely think playing with my friends in the sketches for sure was a way to uh, get it out. I think super, like starting from being young, super early, um, I didn't know what that was. I always thought the anxiety was like, uh, excitement, which I think it was, you know, I, as a kid, you're very excited, but then as you get older, that morphs into, uh, you know, social anxiety. I know a lot of people have the fear of the public speaking and all that, which, you know, as you go into middle school and high school, you have to do those presentations and, uh, you know, the teacher's calling you out and, um, stuff like that. So, um, being, uh, young, Again, I think it was an excitement, and then it kind of morphed into the anxiety. And as I got older, uh, public speaking was something that I would always shy away from. Um, you know, I was the kid in class that you know the teacher would call on, and even if I was paying attention, I my face would start turning red, uh, flush face, and you know, getting uncomfortable, sweaty palms. And I remember um, towards the end of high school, really, really uh, having very bad anxiety. And I think part of that was um, the uncertainty of college and stuff like that, what I really wanted to do with my life. Uh, Part of it was not knowing if my friends were gonna be in my life anymore, you know, uh, through through the graduating of high school. And then the other part of it, too, was just carrying this load of anxiety that kind of built up um, from middle school into high school. And a big part of it, um, which, uh, you know, many people enjoy in high school, um, smoking weed and drinking and stuff like that. But it was weird for me, dude, because when I went from middle school to high school, um, at first... I didn't want to take part in any of that stuff. You know, I want, I was the kid that wanted to have the uh, video game parties and all that type of stuff. And then when everyone's going to these parties where everyone's just smoking weed and drinking, I'm like, what the hell is this? And so it was a big change for me. And I think that um, looking back now, added to the anxiety as well, because you want to be with your friends. You want to be part of the group that you were with. And then when it's shifting to something else, which you don't really want to take part in you're like what what is this what's this all about um and then again specifically going to the whole thing about like weed i learned in high school at a very young age that i don't enjoy uh weed at all um for some reason it triggers like terrible panic attacks within me and so in high school was one of my first ever like real full-blown panic attacks And it, dude, it was the weirdest thing because, um, I had never experienced that before. And so I didn't know what it was. I didn't know who to go to. I didn't know like where, what to even make of it. I just knew that, um, smoking triggered that. And, um, now as an adult, you know, I shy away from it, which is weird again, because living in a state like California, um, you know, with dispensaries and all that type of stuff, it's just kind of like the normal thing now. Uh, but for me, I can't do that. I, I. I just, I can't at all. I just, the anxiety is so bad when I smoke.
0: Same for me. I remember I went hiking with some friends and uh, I, I, I smoked a little bit and, and I, I was going bananas. And I was like, how is this pleasurable to anyone? Now, granted, I probably did a lot more than I should have on my first time. But um, I was just like, no, oh, this, and then, you know the um, the hangover the next day. Like I just felt groggy and uh, unclear, and and I felt heavy, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is horrendous right now. I don't enjoy any of this." Um, but you know, and but you bring up a good point in that not only are does you know weed and alcohol affect people differently, but the same goes for. Um, Prescribe medication, whether you're on Prozac or Adderall or Advan or um, and Am- whatever you're taking, but even foods, you know, like they're like my girlfriend can't eat garlic because you know that she, it causes her to bloat. But you know, if like if you look on a list of healthy foods, garlic would be a, a healthy thing. So it, it's all about. It always comes back to listening to your body and seeing how it responds to whatever stimulus you know that you're exposing it to whether it's internally or externally have you have you had any health issues up well first of all how old are you Colton?
1: Uh 33. I had to think about that.
0: Yeah you did you see that that's how that's how little weeds you should smoke. That's why you should not the, the fact <laughs> like, that you had this to guy's think high about, all the time <laughs> see full and this guy's high right now <laughs> i was like either he has a poor memory he thinks of the feds or something like this is uh some russian covert <laughs> the um and so you know at, at 33 i'm sure you're discovering uh things that you know may be healthy for other people but may not be healthy for you have you discovered that in terms of food and nutrition or exercise or sleep or anything?
1: Yeah, 100% man. Um, I uh, growing up through my 20s, um, I still had um, anxiety, which to this day, you know, just say it up front, I still have anxiety, but it's something that I've learned to totally manage and deal with through uh, exercise and diet and meditating and all sorts of different stuff that I've gotten into. But if It wasn't until literally my 30s that I realized what to do and what not to do for myself. Um, Growing up, I had food allergies, and uh, I think that played a role looking back. I know I keep going back and forth, but as a kid, um, I think that played a big role in my anxiety because I'm deathly allergic to nuts. And so as a kid, when someone's like, oh, this can, well, my parents, this can kill you, that creates an anxiety because then you're like okay well it doesn't kill other people but i have to avoid it and i remember growing up having many um uh anaphylactic reactions where i had to go into the emergency room use the epipen, all that even in high school had a couple of them uh they used the same knife to cut the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches as they did the regular sandwiches and All sorts of crazy stuff like that, dude. It's so, um, I feel like I'm answering my own questions like, why are you fucked up? Well, this is why. Um, but uh, so now, um, as far as like even diet goes, I'm very strict, not only due to the fitness, but just due to my allergen restrictions and uh, psychologically, I know if I'm eating crap, it's going to make me feel bad. And dude, I'm to the point where I'll spend the extra money for the grass fed protein. I won't get meats that, you know, are cheap. Um, and even like eggs and stuff like that, you know, I'm, I'm going with the eggs that are soy free, uh, farm raised, free range, all that stuff, because even just looking at it, like when you actually take the time to look at this stuff, uh, the cheap egg yolk has like a white yellow color to it, whereas the ones that are um, free range and are on a good diet has like a golden yellow yolk, and that's like what an egg should look like and what we should be eating as human beings, not processed crap. Um, another big part of it is caffeine. I don't drink coffee. I don't take pre workout. Um, it sounds crazy to most people, and I really have to motivate myself to get going uh, to go to the the gym because 9 times out of 10 I don't want to be there but then I hit the stairmaster for like a solid 10 minutes get a sweat going get a burn going and then I go into my workout but um you know just for years I was taking pre-workout and and caffeine tabs and drinking coffee and again looking back to the anxiety it's like why did I have so much anxiety well that in itself too you're just taking so much stimulants. Um, so for anyone listening to this, that, uh, you know, just on a f- basic physical level is taking in large amounts of caffeine, not eating well, not sleeping well, um, not being physically active, doesn't need to be at the gym, but not being physically active at all, being sedentary, dude, these things are going to make you feel like crap. And if you struggle with anxiety or you have any anxiety at all, this is going to peak it because, you um, You know, it took, like I said, it took me my 20s of figuring this out. But uh, now I feel like I have it down where I know what to do and why I don't feel well. It's either a lack of sleep, it's eating like crap, it's not getting a workout in, uh, even not drinking enough water, or, you know, um, having some sort of stimulant. I mean, there are days randomly but where I I'm just dragging ass and I'm like, dude, I need like a green tea or a black tea or a drink, a small amount of coffee, but my body's so sensitive now because I don't have that stuff that when I do have it, I feel it right away. Um, and I guess that's good. So I'm not spending a lot of money on, on stuff, but at the same time, uh, it also is, is good. Cause it shows like how clean my stuff is like, dude, I don't, I don't, I, I can't afford to, uh, like, if I, for example, if I drank a coffee, didn't work out, and then went to go perform, dude, my set would be all over the place. I'd be so anxious being on stage. It'd be all over the place.
0: Tell me more about the, the sleep, because I, I truly believe that sleep is the foundation of mental health, because a good night's sleep, is indicative of how we use our day you know like if we do we work out do we get sunlight how we ate like everything about your day culminates into how we sleep and and i understand that there's you know uh ptsd or in the case i was i was talking to a friend of mine and she can't sleep because her partner snores And so that prevents her from getting into a deep sleep. And and I know there are a lot of people out there who struggle with that. What's your sleep routine?
1: Um, Number one that I realized this past year is do not be, and this is just me I'm speaking for, do not be on the phone anywhere before bedtime. And for me, it's like an hour and a half, two hours before bedtime. Um, If you're on your phone, uh, make sure it's something, not related uh, to like anything that's gonna evoke an emotion. So no social media, no emails, let that stuff wait until tomorrow, unless it's an emergency. Um, I had a bad habit of going in bed and then scrolling either on Instagram or TikTok. And every time you scroll, and I'm, again, I'm referring to myself, That's evoking an emotion. You see someone that you're jealous of. You see someone that's got more money than you. You see someone that's doing better than you. You see uh, someone that's attractive. All these things are evoking an an emotion. And that's not good to have the mind and emotions all over the place right before you're supposed to be at the most calm, uh, physical and mental state before you go to sleep. So the phone thing is big. And then also to... um, for me, uh, eating a big meal before bed, especially like red meats and stuff like that. I cannot eat a big meal before bed. Even if I didn't get one in, um, I try to sup, you know, have like a protein shake or something that if I'm hungry, I'm still eating, but it's not, uh, very big because if you're eating a big meal and again, red meats, especially before bed, it's going to keep you up. My body temperature for some reason is very high. My girlfriend says that all the time. She's freezing cold and I'm like a furnace dude. Like I'm just always hot. And, um, the, the diet and the, in the eating before bed is a big part of that. Um, also too, if you're uh, going back to the phone, if you're going to be on your phone, like, do something pleasant, do something simple, uh, you know, read, uh, like a book, listen to an audible book that's going to be, uh, stimulating and positive and, uh, don't, you know, and again, relating to me personally, don't watch like a murder mystery, uh, you know, something that you're going to feel like on edge, you know, my girlfriend constantly is like, oh my God, I slept like shit last night. I was so scared. I'm like, of what? And she watched some like uh some murder thing and i'm like dude why are you watching this right before bed like who in their right mind reads an article about like people getting massacred and murdered and is like ah good night <laughs> you know, it's just so ridiculous but that's that's you know i feel like so many people are just drawn to that and it's so easy to be sucked into that um but you can't do that for sleep man and Uh, Also, too, if if anyone listening drinks coffee or or takes pre-workout, make sure how close that is before your bedtime or when you go to sleep, because that can keep you up uh, for a long time. And throughout my whole 20s, found that out the wrong way. I would be jacked up the whole night, wake up exhausted and then need to take that caffeine to just get back to a baseline of functioning, you know.
0: Well, you know, because I know that you went from Connecticut and then took your comedy ambitions to New York. And, you know, that's a city that really never sleeps. And, you know, if if you're really in with the clubs, you could be up till two AM doing comedy. You know, how does doing stand up, which is a nighttime gig, which can keep you up late, how does that how do you balance that with your sleep routine?
1: Uh, just being, um, patient with myself and knowing that I'm going to need to sleep an extra hour or two, if I can, if you can't, then it's something that you just have to accept and knowing going into the following day that it might be a little difficult. And again, going back to that whole like patient thing with yourself, not getting upset because you're tired. Uh, if you do a workout doing an, uh, an altered workout, if you're, you're, you know, doing a task or a job or something like that, just reminding yourself, okay, I didn't get the amount of sleep that I did the, the previous night when I wasn't out late. Um, and just be, again, be patient with yourself because dude, that's the thing is like, I'm not a nighttime person and it sounds so weird because, you know, as, as comics, we have to be out very late sometimes. And um, it's just that balance, you know, it's just knowing that okay the next night I can or training yourself to you know I I would almost consider it like going into battle for the long longest time when I was doing these open mics and I'd be out very late I was just reminding myself that I was training my mind to just be okay with that and just know that like okay this is going to be temporary with this but the schedule will shift and just being okay with it I think when you're not okay with it and you fight it and you're like, oh, damn it, I didn't get enough sleep. And you get angry at it. That makes it so much worse. I'm not saying that you're not going to be tired, but you have to just be okay with being tired and acknowledge why you're tired because you didn't get enough sleep. I'm not saying that it's good and, and you should be doing that, but you have to be understanding of the situation.
0: Man, that's so empowering. And I, I love that message of one, being compassionate towards yourself and recognizing that, it's unrealistic to expect that you're always going to get a great night's sleep. Like life just doesn't work like that. I mean, there's so many reasons why uh, we don't sleep through the night, whether it's maybe we, we drank water a little too close to bed or allergies. I know allergies for a lot of people uh, will wake them up and even age, you know, as we get older, I'm, I'm 46. And I know that, you know, once we Get in our 40s but especially 50s and 60s um people especially men for some reason wake up at 4 a.m they just naturally wake up at 4 a.m and it's some uh, hom- hormonal uh genetic thing that happens so age you know stress all these different things can kids <laughs> if you have yeah. if you have kids but and even travel you know if you've been traveling jet lag you know that I'm so glad that they stopped that daylight savings time. Um, is that done totally? I think it's done. Okay. Don't quote me on that. I'd be confident if we weren't recording, but because we're <laughs> recording, I'm not too confident. So Google it, people, and find out what the status is. Don't quote your boy Leo Flowers. Um, but, yeah, to, and, and like you said, to have that patience to recognize, you know what, I only got a few hours of sleep last night so um, I, my, I'm not going to see the gains or that I expected to see today because, you know, the thing is we have this expectation, Colton, of every day we should get better. You know, if I, did, if I was benching, for, you know, 200 pounds today, I should be benching, you know, 210 pounds tomorrow. Or if I weigh, you know, uh, 200 pounds today, then I, depending on what your goals are, I should weigh more or less tomorrow. And, and sometimes we're going to stagnate and sometimes we're going to go in the opposite direction. And, and that's just, um, you know, like you talked about the law of averages, you know, nothing progresses uh, on a straight line in the direction that you want it to. It's going to be a few ups and downs.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, there's, you know, I listen to so many people constantly uh, you know, I'm always listening Uh, Most people listen to music at the gym, but I'm honestly either listening to like a motivational speech or like something other, uh, even sometimes as far as listening to like meditation music. I know some people would say that's crazy, but just to like drown out the noise. And I'm big into, you know, David Goggins and, you know, just embracing stuff that sucks. And you really do have to train your mind. He's big on training your mind and, you know, I, when I said going into battle, that's one of his terms, you know, like, you know, in your mind going into battle and um, preparing yourself for life because life can and is a beautiful thing, but at the same time, it could be hell and it could be a terrible thing. And it's all how you view things because I'm big into like uh, spiritual stuff and and within spirituality, a lot of different practices, they say um everything is neutral until you assign it meaning and most things are when you view it that way because you are the person judging it you're the person determining how you feel about it it's your world and your reality so when everything's neutral just take a person for example i i could like a person you could hate a person but that person's neutral we just have different feelings about that person and and, um you know, going back to these people, man, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always trying to myself better myself, um, but be patient and honest with myself. And these people like David Goggins, I listen to Joe Rogan all the time. He has so many great clips that people chop up from his podcast. Um, Will Smith. I love listening to Will Smith. I know he's got a great book out there and I've heard like pieces of it, but I haven't uh, had the time to listen to uh, his book, the uh, audible book of that. But just all these people just talk about, you know, just disciplining yourself and especially Will Smith has a quote, uh, discipline is self-love. And I love that quote because it is like when you discipline yourself and you're, you're uh, structured that's when you can deal with life. It's when, you know, you, you don't have discipline and you're kind of all over the place. The little things add up and something that really isn't a big deal turns into a catastrophic problem because you're not prepared. But on the flip side of it, there's a fine line with it because again, there has to be that patience and love for yourself. And so with the discipline and the hard work, you also have to, on a fine line, be caring for yourself, loving to yourself, understanding of yourself. And it can't just be this like, go, go, go. No, you got to do it mentality. It also has to be a little bit of, okay, well, obviously you feel this way because you didn't get enough sleep. Obviously you feel this way because so-and-so just passed away in your family or this just happened or that happened. So it's being realistic and compassionate and loving to yourself, but also kicking your own ass being motivated, and staying driven.
0: How have you handled, speaking of staying driven, because, uh, uh, you know, a a big thing for a lot of my listeners who are perfectionists, they want to get everything right. And when things go wrong or or when they feel like they, quote, unquote, failed, um, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to get back on task. It's a struggle not to take things personally how what, what can you describe for us like what your biggest loss was outside of the divorce and not to call that your loss, but what you felt like your biggest loss was and and how did you recover or reframe that
1: I'd say my biggest losses were failed relationships um with with girls that I've dated because you know in these relationships uh they were terrible. Um, it made me not want to do what I wanted to do. Um, I wasn't myself. Um, you know, I mean, there was my, uh, a past relationship where like, I wasn't performing. I wasn't going to the gym as much as I wanted to. I wasn't eating because I was always stressed out. Um, And so after the relationship ends and it's gone and done, you feel like a failure because it's like, well, what was all that for? I just, you know, the first thing people say is I just wasted that that term always comes up. I just wasted six months. I just wasted three years of my life. Some people are married and have kids and they're like, I just in their mind, I just wasted half my life. And this person doesn't want to be with me or I don't want to be with them Now that term failure comes up, but none of this is a failure because it's an experience and you have to know what you don't want to know what you do want. That's the, that's the key part to all this stuff. If you just constantly get what you want, get what you want, get what you want, and you're always quote unquote succeeding and winning, going back to that part about messing up and failure and stuff being catastrophic with problems. You're not going to know how to deal with anything. So it's these failures and these mess ups and these failed, you know, relationships or whatever it is that teach you, because through knowing what you don't want, you figure out what you do want, and then you make better decisions, you better yourself, and you see, especially, and I could speak from relationships in this aspect, you see red flags. Okay, if this is coming on quick... Stay away from it. If there's a job that you hated and it ended and you got fired, there's other opportunities out there, you know, through everything that just ends, the other door opens and you have to see that. But in that moment, you can't see it because I get it. You're going through pain and you're going through heartache and you're going through anger and rage But these things are honestly motivating factors. Anytime I've been pissed off at something, dude, it's motivated me to do something else. And when I look back, I'm like, oh my God, thank God for that thing or person because it motivated me to do this. But if that never happened, I would have never done it. But in that moment, you can't see it. In that moment, it's pain, it's anger, it's rage and you can't see it. So don't get upset at failures know that it will get better. And, you know, again, there's, I keep saying in that moment, because dude, that moment, so many people can't see that. So many people are like, this is it. But you have to know that it's not it.
0: So, so what do you do in that moment? Because like you said, when we get some space and we kind of get, you know, there's time between stimulus and response and we're able to zoom out a little bit then we can kind of be a bit more objective. But in the moment of rage, you know, I was just watching uh, a TV show and there was an incident of road rage and a person just in the moment snapped on this other person. Uh, or, or Do you have uh, tricks or techniques or, or tools to kind of slow down your thinking and your breathing? And grounding yourself in that moment.
1: So, going to the example of like the road rage, I think when you're in a specific thing like that, if you're the person who's you know feeling the rage, um, I, I mean, let's just be realistic. So many of us, you know, experience situations with road rage and stuff like that. And if it plays out, it plays out. You can't stop yourself if you're just seeing red in that moment. But after you act on whatever you do. Uh, you can reflect on it and go from there. In my personal experience, if I've experienced something that's not as you know extreme as being in the moment of road rage um, and someone calls me or I get a text that sets me over the edge, I've learned to literally meditate. Um, it's not something that you can, in that second, feel like you want to do. But it, honestly, in my opinion, it's the best thing to quiet the mind and come into this state of relaxation that not only will take you out of that situation, but will let you have a better thought process, will let you deal with this thing better. Because I think everyone can agree, it's not good to deal with anything angry. Nothing good comes from, you know, dealing with a situation in anger. And some people might say, well, you're contradicting yourself. You just said anger is a good thing. I think anger is a good thing as a motivator, because it motivated you to have these new thoughts of, oh, I don't want to do this. But it's not good to act out of anger. It's not good to act out of rage. It's better to act when you're common centered. And um, I know I'm jumping all over the place. But to relate this to myself, I started taking boxing uh, about a year and a half ago now. And You know, most people when they think of boxing or MMA, they think of, oh, I got to beat the crap out of this person. I got to get angry. But, dude, it's totally the opposite. It's about calming your mind. It's about focusing and it's about the technique of studying what your target's going to do, what this is going to happen. And that in itself with the boxing has helped me so much with, with comedy, with dealing with situations of stress. Because when you calm that mind and come into that calm state, that's when you can make the best decisions. And I feel like the 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 best thing for the situation.
0: Man, I love boxing. And you're absolutely right. I, I remember I was in a, in a past relationship and there'd be times where we'd get into an argument and I would go to the boxing gym and I would come back so relaxed, so ready to listen and be present. And it, it's, it just... Because it requires you to be so. I mean, you got somebody, you know, punching back at you, and then you know you're in a class, and the music is just so stimulating that uh, you're absolutely right. It really is a a tool to burn off energy, and you know, I always think of myself as like I'm a kind of like a kid or a dog, where if I don't burn off energy every day, then I'm I'm no good at night, and and that's where my mind is racing. Like if I don't if I don't race my body. Then my mind will race, you know. But when I'm racing my body, my mind slows down. So it's like I have to pick one or the other because uh something's gonna race. And and I definitely don't want it to be my mind because then there are times where I feel like I can't get it back.
1: Yeah, man. Um, totally. And it's it's crazy because it's one of those things where there's a quote somewhere that's it's almost. I forget what it is. We're like when you speed up, you almost slow down, and so. Oh wait. Okay, just disregard that because that sounded <laughs> that sounded stupid.
0: Well, you know, <laughs> going, going back to your, you, you're talking about your relationship, and that you stopped working out, and you know, you weren't eating well, you know, and and that sounds to me, you know, because I've been there where it was kind of a codependency thing of I was so stressed out about the relationship. And what this person thought of me and was feeling and uh, I just felt I kind of felt like I was on edge the whole time. I didn't feel safe or secure for whatever reason. And I just kind of let everything go. Was that your experience with not working out or why do you think that you deviated from what you value and prioritize?
1: Yeah, I um, with both uh relationships the working out suffered and it was because I was constantly exhausted I was constantly stressed out I would talk to like my my family about it and you know I remember my sisters saying like dude your cortisol levels are probably jacked up like you're probably just so out of it um and you know it was it's it's it was just like a revolving circle of crap it was you know not working out stressed out bad sleep um Not being motivated to make meals, not being motivated to go uh, to the store to get the good food, uh, eating out, um, wanting to, quote unquote, save the relationship. So spending more time with this person, which in result is making things even worse because clearly it's not working out. And so, you know, just like, you know, seeing red and anger with the road rage when you're in a bad relationship you can't really see it. Other people can see it, but you can't see it. And even if you can see it, you truly, you know don't want to admit it. And you don't want to admit fault. And especially if you're married and you have kids, then you you're really in it because you're like, okay, well, I got out for my kids and you know, we made a vow and all that stuff. And so just from my own personal experience, um, you know, it it, it just becomes a revolving circle. And everything affects everything because, you know, the, the stress from the relationship affects your work performance at work. And then you're, I used to say I I had a job and then my second job was that crappy relationship. I was like, I'd leave work, I would work. And then I'd go to work and try to solve this relationship. And it, it was just, dude, it, it was so much. And I remember my dad coming out to visit me and he's like, dude, what are you doing? And I, and I was like, yeah, what am I doing? Like, Yeah, I
0: don't. I I, so you went from Connecticut to New York, and then New York to San Diego. Why San Diego? Why not L.A. or did you try L.A. or? So, uh,
1: San Diego uh, is where one of my good friends lived, and I came out to visit him. Dude, I'd never been to California before, and um, I remember it was just like a trip that I. It was so fun. Um, I had so much fun with him. Uh, I got a guest spot at the La Jolla Comedy Store on one of the shows there. And it was just like everything that I wanted to do lined up perfectly. And um, it just it was such an amazing time that my experience I felt in Connecticut was like done and it wasn't really going anywhere on the East Coast. And I was like, okay, now it's time to to make things happen. Now it's time to like, put it into gear. And I wanted to always be close to LA because I knew like LA was where, you know, I could, I I was just over the East coast, you know, I was just over the cold weather and that stuff. And I just felt like it was time to move on. And so it just, everything kind of played out perfectly. And I'm like, okay, dude, San Diego's where it's at. And then it literally lined up. I had um, a job offer when I came back out at a company, uh, a a mutual friend of ours was moving out of an apartment and he's like yeah you could totally move in there um i was able to land a car through uh the girl that i was dating at the time her dad did stuff with cars and so i was able to get a car through her so everything was able to line up and then i was like okay why not why why would i stay you know what this is like perfect synchronicity
0: is there any part of your uh mental health journey that you haven't shared we talked about Playing video games, exercise, meditation, nutrition, sleep hygiene. Um, we, you know, we even talked about um, you know listening to books and, and 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 you know making sure that what we're feeding our minds isn't going to increase our anxiety. Getting off of caffeine, being aware of food allergies. Um, have you, as therapy, played uh, a part in your? how you've learned how to manage your anxiety
1: yeah I remember uh, uh, in my 20s um going to like different therapists and stuff and I feel like most therapists wanted to prescribe like xanax or clonopin or all these stuffs and dude I've tried those before and I mean again you know with the caffeine it makes me feel terrible well when I take a clonopin or a xanax I mean I'm out you know I'm like a zombie walking around and I'm like okay that this I, I can't do this. And I've tried them a handful of times. And so um, I finally found a guy who was a cognitive behavioral therapist. And he was the first person who, um, out of like four or five other therapists that I tried, um, suggested that I do like these exercises. And so I would like go to the mall and put myself in like, uncomfortable situations of like, asking uh, you know, questions to people and stuff, nothing like weird, but just stuff that would like provoke anxiety. And Give it was me an honestly- example, please. OK, so he would say, go into like a Victoria's Secret and, and say that you're shopping for your girlfriend, even though I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. He's like, say you're shopping for your girlfriend and just be very interested in like what they're selling as merchandise. And, you know, most guys don't want to go into a Victoria's Secret or feel uncomfortable or something like that. And so I'd go in there and he would say, you know, Go in, feel the anxiety and hold it like the conversation until you feel it peak. And then it starts to slowly go down. And then I'm like, oh, okay. And then that's when I started stand up around that same time. I would take those same techniques and put them on stage because I'd be very anxious in the beginning. And I would kind of talk about topics until I felt that peak and until it started to go down. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, shit, I wish I knew that dude's name to give him a shout out, uh, dude, he, he helped a lot. Um,
0: so I, I, I love that, uh, of staying in a pocket. Cause I think a lot of times we abort mission as it's peaking, because we think that there's no way we're coming down. Like we're, we're not going to make it out of this alive. And we don't realize that, you know, we're almost to the the peak. And then there's going to be a drop and then peace and tranquility. But we abort before we get there. And it, but if we sit through it, that's where the growth is.
1: Yeah, 100 percent. And I, um, I definitely through stand up, I, I have felt that. I mean, you know, there's so many sets and I'm sure you've experienced sets where they're just going terrible. And then out of nowhere, you win them back. And you're like, holy crap, but it's sticking that out and those awkward feelings and that anxiety and that uncomfortableness, um, you know, and that goes to to, uh, you know, just following your passions and your dreams. I mean, so many people don't do things because it's uncomfortable, because they're scared to take that risk. And it's like, dude, if you just did that one thing, your life could be totally different. Um, You know, for example, my my current relationship, I, I adore my girlfriend. I love her so much. I had a crush on her at the gym and it sounds so silly, but I was so afraid to like go up to her because I don't like to bother people at the gym. I don't want to interrupt someone's workout. And then finally I had hit my point where I'm like, dude, you know what? I'm sick and tired of not doing shit. I want to do. What is the worst that happens? And so I just went up to her and I talked to her and I got her number. And literally ever since then, I just asked her out and we've been dating. And it's one of those things that like going back to the peak anxiety There's the anxiety, there's the fear, it's going to peak, it's going to go up, it's going to peak, but let it peak and come back down. And the only way you can do that is by putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and consistently doing that with that discipline and, and, you know, kicking your own ass, as I talked about before, to force yourself to do these uncomfortable things.
0: You know, earlier you talked about being in a relationship and, you know, you stopped working out and you know, the, the, the nutrition got offline and, and even asleep. And how have you learned to set boundaries in your current relationship? Because I find that that is one of the hardest things for people to do is to say, you know what, that doesn't work for me or to say, or to kind of stand up or advocate for themselves. How have you, have you struggled with that at all? And and if you have, how have you uh, expressed that and worked through that?
1: So, um, you know, in the beginning of the relationship, uh, I think most people struggle to, you know, set boundaries and stuff because you don't want to be mean or rude to the person. But the thing is, is, you're not being mean or rude you're you're letting this person know who you are as a person and if someone truly loves you and respects you they're going to go along with what you your needs are um and also on a compatibility level you're going to see real quick if this person's compatible with you or not i mean if you say hey i don't want to come over tonight and they're like why not and you're like cuz i'm tired and they're like okay cool which is my girlfriend my current girlfriend that's a good stable relationship. But if you say to your boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever, Hey, I don't want to come over tonight. And they're like, why? And you're like, cause I'm tired. And they're like, you're cheating on me, aren't you? You're, I don't, you know, something crazy which I've experienced before. (laughs) You're like, "Uh, no, I'm not, I'm just tired. And so relating back to your question, I feel like, you know, um, three months into my, my relationship with my girlfriend, those chats and talks came up naturally as they would, um, when your schedule shifts or, you know, you're not feeling something or you're just out of it. And, um, we kind of got that out early and, you know, I'm not going to lie. It was awkward at first, but again, it's one of those things where like, dude, life is going to throw you very awkward situations. You have to approach them and go through them. And if you don't, you avoid stuff and there's nothing worse than having a relationship. With- where you just avoid conflict and everything gets swept under the carpet because that's when shit just gets really bad and you don't want to address things and you should feel comfortable addressing your partner um, with pretty much everything. And that's how I feel with my current girlfriend. I mean, I love her and we're very comfortable sharing, you know, uh, things with each other. And if we do or don't want to do things, and again, that goes to compatibility, respect, and um, the person should if you say something you shouldn't fear it. if they truly love you and respect you, you shouldn't fear what their response is. And if it's like on a friend level, then that's not a good friend. If you can't be honest with your friend, that's, that's not a good friend.
0: Can, can you give us an example of how you con something you've had to confront in the relationship? It, and the reason why I'm asking is it's one thing to say, Hey, you know, don't avoid the hard conversations in relationships. And, but it's another thing because I understand that there are a lot of listeners, and myself included, who there are times where I'm afraid that I might be too aggressive in a confrontation. So then I don't confront at all. And so to hear what exactly your, your script is or what an example uh, would be from you of how you have, in a very healthy way, confronted some kind of conflict in your relationship to set a boundary.
1: So uh, for me, um, I like my alone time and that's something in my past relationships that I think has always been an issue going back to people um, and the girls that I've dated that have been immature that, you know, their mind goes to like cheating or not wanting to spend time with them or not loving them or something like that. So with my current relationship, um, you know, I wanted to kind of establish that right away Uh, And I think the conversation was like one night, um, I didn't want to go over there. And, you know, I was just like, listen, I don't want you to take this personally. And it's got nothing to do with you, but I just want you to know like, moving forward, there might be times where I don't want to hang out and I just want to like chill out and watch movies. And we could even like watch movies, which we do sometimes. Like, I'll stay at my apartment, she stays at hers, and we'll watch Netflix, but just like, consider it like a virtual date, you know, like, I'm tired, and she's tired, and she just wants to be alone. And uh, sometimes too, dude, like, uh, we're both into uh, Mario Kart, we'll FaceTime, and we'll play Mario Kart through FaceTime. And so like, we're both playing online, but we're not with each other. And so like, there's other ways to do stuff. And it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with the relationship. People just need their personal space. And there's nothing worse than like, someone being dependent on someone else in a relationship for either their happiness or like their comfort level, you as a person, person, there we go. I'm losing. I can't even talk. <laughs> you as a person should be comfortable and, and whole as yourself. And then you come into a relationship and that person compliments you. They don't complete you. I think the worst thing in the world is this thought of like, Oh, you complete me. And to me, that's gross. Um, I'm going off on a tangent here, but to answer that question about like, you know, how to set boundaries and stuff, I think, you know, with my situation, it was just one night I didn't want to hang out. And I just explained, you know, I want to just chill and I got work I got to do on my computer. And um, yeah, my girlfriend was very receptive and cool about it. And uh, there, there wasn't like any, any real conflict about that uh which right away i was like this is amazing like this is definitely i know going to be a good relationship
0: what's a book you wish you had read sooner
1: uh ask and it's given by abraham hicks which talks about the law of attraction um and also to uh david goggins book um shit i should know the name of it i listened you to can't hurt me Yeah. You can't hurt me. Also that. Yep.
0: Those, Yeah. Those are two very powerful books right there. And then is there anything else you want to share with the listeners before we get out of here? About Um, your mental health journey, about anything that really helps you to reframe or reduce your anxiety?
1: Be patient with yourself, uh, figure out what works, try different things as far as exercise go. It could be just stretching. It could be yoga. It could be going on a walk. Um, You know, go outside if you're in an area that doesn't get sunlight, try to, you know, get as much sunlight as you can uh, and force yourself to do things within your own personal limits. Um, You know, kick your own ass, but be loving and caring to yourself and understanding and patient and um, sleep, meditate, eat good, drink plenty of water and avoid the bullshit.
0: I love that, man. It sounds like you got a book coming out there, Colton. Um, <laughs> where can people find you?
1: So I uh, have my website, coltonharpy.com, Instagram, coltonharpy. Uh, same with TikTok, Colton Harpy.
0: Love it. And last thing I ask this of all my guests, because I always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Colton Har- Harpy?
1: There's always tomorrow. There's always one more day and just, you know, we've all had those days that suck, that are miserable, that feel like no one understands, but dude, I'm telling you, I've been there. I feel like many other people have been there and just wait one more day. Just be patient with yourself. Wait one more day and see how you feel.
0: Thank you, Colton. Thank you listeners for tuning in. Remember this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help for you calling the 1-800-S-U-I-C-I-D-E or 1-800-273-TALKS, or any of the international phone numbers that are listed. If you're in Germany, if you're in Taiwan, if you're in Budapest, Sri Lanka, Africa, Nigeria, wherever you are in the world, there are international phone numbers listed for you. You can talk, chat, text. There are financial resources also listed in the show notes. Um, You can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Colton. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me.